0: Hello and welcome to the Facts Over Fandom Show. I am your host, Brandon Podgorski, and my apologies for getting the show out a little bit later on Friday than what I usually do. I usually like to try to get the uh, show out on Friday at 6 a.m. So if you're listening to it while you're getting ready for work, while you're on your way to work on your commute, you can do that. Uh, Unfortunately, life happens. You know, as I've talked about on the show, I do this as a hobby. I love talking about sports in my full-time job, I'm a professor of sport management, um, but I also have a lot of other things going on in the summer. So my, I hang out with my son all day and, and watch him, which which keeps me pretty busy. I'm working on my PhD right now. Uh, also teach classes, some online classes in the summer, um, and, and working on a little side business as well. So unfortunately, I don't get to devote as much time to the podcast as I would like to. And life just got in the way a little bit, which is why we're late. But we're here. We are here. Happy Friday. I hope everybody had a great week. I hope you had a great 4th of July. Uh, one of my favorite holidays, just to, to celebrate uh, the the independence that that we have here you know, being Independence Day um, and the freedoms we have here in this country. It's it's quite amazing, and I've had the the good fortune of of traveling quite a bit. I think I've gone to over a dozen countries um, at, at this point. I, I think that's that's correct. Um, and, and there's nowhere like home. Uh, the USA is just an amazing place. So always love July Fourth, and I hope you had a great Fourth with with friends and, and family. Kind of weird that it happened during the the middle of the week. I think that's always odd. So you know, I know some of you probably only got one day off this week. I, I know that was the situation for my wife. So I hope you're going into this weekend um, ready to take a load off, relax, maybe watch some baseball, spend time with family, whatever. And I hope this show is a great way to get you into the weekend. And speaking of July 4th, what we're going to talk about today on the show is sports and politics. Now, I'm not going to get in to Politics, as they say, you know, you shouldn't talk about politics and religion um, with people, especially that you just first meet. So I'm not going to go with a certain angle with politics, but I'm going to kind of talk about the the melding of sports and politics. But before we get into that, um, please make sure you're checking us out on Spotify. Um, that's a preferred podcasting platform for the show. You could also check us out on Apple. Google, Amazon, all of those count. Uh, Please give us a five-star rating and you can also watch uh, and subscribe. You can also watch us on YouTube and Rumble. Please subscribe, please like, It helps the algorithm. It helps us get in front of more people. And I've got some ideas for this show, but I got to see a little bit more growth. Thank you for those of you who are watching on YouTube. So the numbers kind of tick up a little bit this week. So really appreciate it. And we want to hear from you if there's a topic in sport business. And remember, this show is about the intersection of sports, business, and culture. If there's a topic that you want me to, to, um, to speak on, or you, you even want to come on the show if there's a topic that you want to talk about um, where you get a little expertise in that sports business culture, um, hit, hit us up, let us know. We're on social media. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram, at FOF underscore show, at FOF underscore show. It's the only place to find us online, Twitter and Instagram. I don't have time for Facebook. Uh, I'm not even about to put TikTok on my phone, and I don't even know what Threads is. I guess that's kind of the new thing that's that's taking the internet this week. I, I don't have time. Just Twitter and Instagram, at FOF underscore show. Find us there. And so let's get into our topic today, sports and politics. And, and I kind of want to go through this a little bit. Um, I talk about sports and politics, just kind of, the again, the melding of the two um, when I'm teaching And that's what we're going to kind of go over a 30,000 foot view of this today. So um, there's four perspectives when we talk about politics and sport. If you're checking us out on YouTube or Rumble, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here, which why I'm not looking at the camera, Uh, but we're going to look at four perspectives on politics and sport today. So one, how does the government use sport to improve citizens' quality of life? Two, how can sport reinforce the status quo? Number three, how nations sponsor international teams to promote patriotic pride. And then four, the politics of sport institutions. And this is where we may get into a little bit more of the traditional political talk, but uh, I certainly wouldn't consider myself an expert on politics. So I tend to um, kind of focus on you know the first three a little bit more, how government uses sport to improve citizens' quality of life, how sport can reinforce the status quo, uh, how and how nations sponsor international teams promote patriotic pride. But we'll also get into the politics of sports and institutions. So let's look, let's think about how does the government promote physical activity and health? And a lot of this and most of this is going to be from um, uh, a North American USA perspective. And so if you think like the CDC, and I know for some people that three letter term, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC um, is kind of a a four letter word right now, Um, but you know, their mission, they link research on physical activity and quality of life or just some of the things that they do. And then they'll set recommendations for physical activity. So, you know, this c- CDC kind of being an, uh, one of the arms of the government or, or one of the um, one of the associations kind of under the government umbrella. Um, you know, they'll look at research and then again, they set those recommendations for physical activity. And what the CDC has come up with is that kids need at least one hour of daily aerobic activity, um, each and every day. Hence the word daily. So, you know, for example, my son is four and, and you may hear him in the background here today. Um, took him to the doctor last week, just for a, just for a checkup, just for his four year checkup. Hey, and that was one of the things that was kind of in the documentation that I got. That you know he needs to be outside and he needs to be active for at least one hour a day. And what's and, I, and I'm going to give you some statistics here pretty soon. Um, but it's really discouraging, and it's it's a little bit um, it's a little bit scary to see the obesity rates and the um, rates of children being overweight in this country, um, simply because they're not getting enough physical activity and nutrition plays a big part in that as well. Um, but it's really, really important for so many reasons. One, you know, just for them to be healthy in their body, but, you know, kids going out and having unstructured play time. There's so many other great things that come about with that, you know, developing leadership skills, you know, having kids kind of fight over, um, you know, when I was a kid, we'd have you know three or four kids um, per side, and we'd play baseball in a friend's backyard. And of course, you'd have a ghost runner because you don't have a full team. And fighting over, you know, hey, did that runner from second score on a single? And so you learn some things like leadership and and conflict resolution and, and respect for others. So it's not just good for their body, but it's also good for their mind. And for adults, the CDC says we need at least thirty minutes of weekly. I'm sorry, 150 minutes of weekly moderate intensity activity. So, 30 minutes a bit a day, five days a week. 30 minutes a day, five days a week for adults of moderate intensity. So, this is not you just kind of reading a magazine, and you know, I'm, I'm away from the mic now, but you can see on YouTube just kind of kicking back on the recumbent bike and, and not really working up a sweat. You know, you need to be maybe walking um, at a, I would say, a, a closer to a brisk pace for 30 minutes. And again, that's just physical activity. So, let's say you're you're a stay-at-home mom and you've got a, a number of kids. Let's say you got 2 or 3 kids and you're really busy and it's hard to get to the gym or it's hard to work out or go for a walk outside. You know, things like doing housework counts as physical activity as long as it's at an, an appropriate intensity. So, I think people kind of get wrapped up and it's why it's one of the um reasons why people have a hard time sticking to a fitness regimen because it is a regimen and you want to stick to a plan. Um, But what the CDC is saying is if you get 30 minutes a day, again, five days a week of moderate intensity activity, not necessarily exercise, that will count. And so, you know, just some statistics that I want to hit you with here. I'm going to blow this up a little bit on my screen just to help with this. All right. So, why physical activity, and, and again, this is according to the CDC, why this builds a healthy and strong America. Um, the problem, about one in two adults live with a chronic disease, and only about half of adults get that recommended 150 minutes of weekly moderate intensity activity. So we see half adults have a chronic disease, half adults, half of uh, United States adults do not get that. 150 minutes of weekly moderate intensity activity. So I'm not necessarily saying that there's a causation there, um, but there's a pretty high correlation at minimum. And we do find that sedentary lifestyles do lead to to more diseases like, you know, heart and other cardiovascular disease, certain types of cancers and so on. And what's really frustrating right now is that, about twenty-five percent, one in four of young adults, are not, um, are, are cannot, are, are basically um, looking at military readiness. Um, they're one in four adults; they're too heavy to serve in the military. So we are seeing like all-time lows in military readiness, as far as um, the military hitting their quotas for the amount of service people that they need um a lot of that is people just don't want to serve um they're going to college they're starting businesses they're working there's other things that they want to be doing um so you already have a problem on that end and then on the other end well you got to take 25% right off the board because they're not even fit for military service okay. so obviously that's a problem when you're thinking about the safety and security of the nation. So let's talk about physical activity and how it can help. All right. One in 10 premature deaths could be prevented by getting enough physical activity. Again, an hour uh, per day for kids, 30 minutes, uh, five days a week for adults. One in eight cases of breast cancer can be prevented. One in eight cases of colorectal cancer, one in 12 cases of diabetes, one in 15 cases of heart disease. So there's so many benefits of getting physical activity, right? Um, Lowers blood pressure, lowers risk of stroke, improves your fitness, improves mental health, cognitive function, reduces arthritis symptoms, possibly uh, prevents weight gain, all these great things. And so when we talk about, again, kind of the mixing of sport and politics and the government getting involved, you know, setting those recommended Um, Daily allowances or or daily recommendations um, is one of the things that government does in sport. Some other things, again, kind of keeping a a United States perspective. um, It designates the United States Olympic Committee, the USOC, but it does not provide funding. So the USOC for the Olympic athletes relies on corporate sponsors, um, relies on donations for its funding. Funding does not come from the U.S. government. Um, we'll see the the government. They'll intervene to address scandals or societal issues in sport. You know, um, thinking about steroids in Major League Baseball, um, the hearings on sexual assault with USA Gymnastics, um, and that can lead to um, the establishment of laws or making stricter laws. Um, one of the things we saw way back. This is probably, I think, early '90s. Uh, when they started to reclassify steroids um, as um, a, a stronger uh, classification. I, I can't remember what schedule it is. It might be a Schedule One drug, um, you know, on par with, with a lot of the, the harder drugs, cocaine, heroin, things like that. In fact, you know what? I got this. Let me look. Steroids schedule drug. They're schedule three substance. So um, according to the Department of Justice, they are a schedule three substance. So they may have legitimate medical function, um, but they also may lead to moderate to low physical dependence or high psychological uh, dependence. So it is illegal, obviously, to use them without a valid prescription or distribute them. Right? So it can um, cause massive uh, prison time if you're if you're busted with those. And that's a result of um, investigations from the government. Other things government can do: it helps regulate event security, so you'll see uh, police at a lot of games. Uh, Protects citizens' rights, promotes equal opportunity. If you think about Title IX, which was in 1972, um, and, and maybe you know we're coming up on the on the anniversary of Title IX. Uh, last year we celebrated the 50th anniversary. Um, this year we're celebrating the 51st anniversary of Title IX. Uh, this month, I think maybe I'll do a show on that. Um, but that was again um, a law codified by the United States government, um, and it basically says that. You know, no person on the basis of their sex can be discriminated against if they're receiving federal funding. And it can protect the public's financial interest as well. Um, So we see in ways in government gets involved there. So how does government promote the identity and unity among citizens through sport? Think on the local level. You know, cities try to attract pro sports in order to increase their attractiveness. We saw, we've seen this with L, with uh, Las Vegas here over the past you know decade, where teams were very shy to go to Vegas because of um, Nevada being one of the only states where gambling was legal. Pro sports, as we talked about on a on a past show, um, they don't want their players being involved with gambling after the Supreme Court in 2018 uh, basically said it's a state's issue. If states want to promote, if states want to allow gambling, we started to see um, teams and and, and leagues be more open going to the Vegas market. So now they've got the NHL. Um, Oakland A's might be going to uh to oakland um they've got an nfl team and i would not be shocked to see uh um, either a a new nba team go to uh, las vegas possibly relocation of a current nba team i think they're going to have all four sports coming up here pretty soon And, and with that you know they've built new facilities and entertainment districts to try to lure those sports teams in and then you know the the thought is that helps the local economy with more jobs and more um, tax revenue coming in. It increases quality of life for its citizens. So that's some of the ways that the government is going to try to promote um, identity and unity among citizens, bringing teams in. Sports can also unify strangers and provide topics of conversation. Um, I think I've talked about on a past podcast uh, on this show where, I bought a house or or I chose a realtor based on the fact that he was a Cubs fan. And once I found out that, I didn't really care if he wasn't that great of a realtor or if if he was a young guy or whatever it was. Um, We shared a commonality. We shared a bond and ended up buying a house from him. Sport can promote collective identity through apparel. Um, And there was a great... 30 for 30. I think ESPN, for the most part, does a really good job for the 30 for 30s. I was banging on them last week and my uncle Brandon advice over the ESPYs. But the, for the most part, the 30 for 30s are pretty strong. There was a great one straight out of L.A. where it talked to, um, you know, I think some of the guys they had on there were Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, and some other rappers, you know, kind of playing on straight out of Compton from um, the group NWA and just talking about the silver and black of the Raiders and and what that meant. Um, being from L.A. at the time. And then obviously cities and countries holding special sporting events and, and the government helping to get those events there. Um, you know, I'm here in Indiana. I'm originally from Indianapolis. And since 1979, you know, Indianapolis has hosted over 400 major sporting events, and it's known as the Amateur Sports Capital of the world. Think about how many Final Fours they've held there and and Olympic trials, the Pan End Games in 1987. And so there's a lot and not to mention the professional sports, you know, they've held um, a Super Bowl there in Indianapolis. Um, So, you know, government tries to bring in special things to, again, make our city look like a world class city, bring in more tourism, and just help increase citizens quality of life. And so along with that, think about sport and the promotion of social values. And so in the United States, our view of sport is teaching mainstream values, things like capitalism. Capitalism involves competition, hard work, winners. We have a capitalist economy here in the United States. And basically, if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to save, invest, make smart decisions with your money, you can be successful. Everybody more or less is on an equal playing field. Now, we don't all come from the same background and we might not all start from the same starting line, but by and large here in the United States, if you're willing to work hard and you make good decisions, you don't overextend yourself, you can be successful and everybody has a different different definition of what success looks like but the united states view of sport kind of represents those mainstream values right um hard work again competition we have winners we have losers um sacrifice dedication being a good teammate it, Those are the values that are reflected in sport. And what we tell our our athletes and, and certainly our kids, if you do these things and you work hard and you're a good teammate and you sacrifice, you can realize your dream in sport. And if not, at least you're learning the values that you need to learn to set you up for success in the future. The other great thing about sport and promotional social values, especially here in the United States, and, and frankly, I think worldwide, is the potential to integrate people from diverse backgrounds in areas of conflict. Um, if you ever saw the movie Gridiron Gang with The Rock, I think that's a great example there of Camp Kilpatrick there in Southern California, where it's a juvenile uh, detention facility, and they're bringing in kids from all around um South, Southern California. A lot of these kids come from bank gang backgrounds, different gang backgrounds. And through sport, they've got a football program there. I know they got a basketball program. They probably got other programs there. Um, but through sport, they're able to bring these kids together who outside of the walls of the facility. Um, Obviously we'd have a lot of strife, um, would probably try to to hurt if not kill each other, but within these walls and through sport, they're able to come together as a team and cut through those areas of conflict. So I think that's a really cool thing that sport does. Now there's also this thing, this thought about sport as an opiate of the masses. Like the government can use sport to distract citizens from societal inequities or distract them from other things that they're going that are going on that they don't want to uh um that they don't want people to concentrate on I don't know if I really believe that's true now I think individuals can do that I don't necessarily think governments can do that at least not here in the United States now it may be different in other parts of the world but I think here in the United States for the most part people kind of put things in perspective so here in the United States, I think this is more of an individual issue than it is a, a political governmental issue. I think if you allow yourself to have your identity wrapped up in your favorite team, then yes, it's going to distract you from other more important things that are going on. But um, as much as I don't think it's healthy for you to find your identity in your team, I also don't think it's healthy for you to find your identity in uh everything that's happening in politics or, or government and, and worrying about things that you have no control over. It doesn't mean that they're not important. It doesn't mean that those aren't things that you you should shy away from. Um, but I really think you've got to be careful on where you put your identity, where you put your time, where you put your, your energy. And I'm not here to tell you what that should be. You know, I could tell you for me, you know, I first, you know, I certainly have political leanings, but I first identify myself as a, as a Christian and a husband and a dad and, you know, then, you know, a, a friend, um, then work and then everything else beyond that. So I think, you know, if you you've got to be careful and I'm a sports fan, I love watching sports. You know, I'm excited for football to come around. Um, I love the the Cubs and I, I love watching the Cubs. Most of the time this year has been a little bit tough. Um, however, it's got to be in perspective because there's other higher, more important things going on that um, demand your time. At least in my opinion. Um, so, with that though, if we think about sport in society as a large, at, at large, sport can distract from difficult times. So if you're going through hard times in life or there's hard times going on in the country, think about 1980 um, U.S. Olympic hockey team and just the Cold War with Russia, um, Russia in 1980, in the Summer Olympics, um, they decided they weren't going to compete. So there was a question: Are they actually going to compete in the Winter Olympics? Um, and there was just a lot. Uh, and if you weren't there, it's hard to explain. And I was so 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 young at the time, so I, I hardly even remember. Um, you know, I remember kind of the, the end of the Cold War in the later later 80s <clears throat> with the Berlin Wall falling, but you know, just a general sense of unease. And for that plucky little College hockey team to take on and beat one of the superpowers in the world, um, man, it just made you feel good um, for a little bit as an American, and and just helped to distract from some of those difficult times. Sport can also help maintain the status quo, um, whether it would be things like male dominance or, or traditional values. Um, I think uh, certainly along the lines of, of traditional values, sport helps maintain a little bit of that status quo. Now, unfortunately, I think we've let political ideologies kind of seep into sport. We're talking about sport and politics, where, you know, whether it be a, a movement or, or individuals who have, tried to forward their ideologies before the sport or before their team or or whatever else. And that serves to be divisive. And I've talked about that on past shows here where, you know, as a league, as, as an organization, you certainly want to support your players and you want to support their right to to speech and their right to their viewpoint. But you have to understand your audience as well. And as I went through, like with baseball, I think this was uh, maybe two shows ago, you know, as we're looking at baseball tends to be older, upper class, mostly white and leans Republican leans right. I think you just need to be cognizant of the messages that cut against that. And again, I'm not telling any athlete, any team, any league that you shouldn't support things that you're. Your demographically heavy fan, I guess, um, would support. I just think you need to be smart in the way that some maybe these things are presented. Um, We saw a lot in the news and um, a lot in media with the LA Dodgers and their Pride Night celebration. And I think even maybe some of your more conservative fans have become a little bit numb. To the pride celebrations, because I think for the most part, if you would poll them, you know, um LGBTQ issues um aren't necessarily high on their list of priorities. However, I think the Pride Nights, um, I think for a lot of fans, they've kind of become numb to them. I think you got some fans obviously that embrace them. Those who don't have just learned to live with them. But what this situation with the LA Dodgers, um, where they were inviting a group that um you know, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which would make characters or um, caricatures of nuns in in Jesus Christ and the Catholic religion, Um, you're alienating a big part of your fan base. And especially in Southern California, where I think the population there, it's 40 if almost not 50% Hispanic. Hispanics in large part are Catholic, you've got to be careful with your messaging. And I think, you know, in that type of a world there, where also in Southern California, um, you've got a, I don't know if the large percentage who consider themselves LGBTQ plus, um, but you all, you do have a large percentage of people who support them. I think you can do both. I think you can have a night where you would support that, but at the same time, not have things that would also alienate a big part of your audience. I think you got to be really, really careful when you put those two things together. Sport could also change society. I think one of the most inspirational, if not one of the most important athletes in the history of uh, the United States, um, I think there's two, especially if you think about civil rights um, for African-Americans. Um, Jackie Robinson, which is extraordinarily important and just everything he went through. Um, Being the first black player in Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball or or baseball um, being um, the America's pastime at the time and the most important pro sport in the United States. You know, football has overtaken that now. Um, But, you know, at the time, baseball was it. And to be the first to break through in the 40s, in the mid 40s, um, was really quite remarkable. And, and to go through everything he went through outside the game and, and the things that he was called and the threats on his life and still perform at the highest levels he did and, and help to integrate the game, um, I think was really, really inspiring. Um, and I also think about Jesse Owens. And, you know, you go back to the Berlin Olympics in, in 1936, Chancellor of Germany at that time was Adolf Hitler. And this was going to be Hitler's chance to showcase white Aryan dominance of his athletes. And so all Jesse Owens did was just go over there and win four gold medals right in front of him. That's toughness. Like, that's grit. I I, I think it's an amazing story. It's one of the stories that I I love to talk about in my class um, because I think we kind of – we have an idea of what toughness is, and I think there's kind of this modern masculine idea of toughness where you've got to have this outwardly tough toughness and you've got to act machismo and all that. No, it's having the courage to perform at your best in situations where um, you're not welcome at, at the very least. Right. And you have somebody, you know, in Berlin, Germany at that time who hates you on an immalleable characteristic that you can't control. And and you got a whole country that's, you know, rooting against you, although I don't think everybody in Germany was rooting against them. But, you know, what felt like kind of the whole weight of the world on your shoulders and then you go and you perform anyway. I think that was really great on what uh, Jesse Owens did. And then, um, sport can also promote politicians. So if you think about photo ops with politicians, um, you know, you win a, you win a championship, whether it be a professional championship or a national championship, you go to the white house and, you know, it's a way for um, athletes to be honored. But I also think it's a little bit self-serving for politicians as well. Because, you know, again, it helps to show, you know, we're one of the people uh, or I'm one of the people and, um, you know, we value sports and sports is important. And, and this is a way to, to honor them. And then obviously with, with athletes who have turned into politicians. Now, what are some of the ways that sport can be used for change, especially under the uh, purview of politics? And I talked about it, you know, champion athletes, they have a platform. If they choose to to use it, you know, to to paraphrase Michael Jordan, um, in my mind, the the greatest basketball player in in the history of the NBA or the history of the world, really. Um, you know, he's he had a quote and somebody was asking him, why don't you get involved in in more um issues in in the black community. And he said, Republicans buy sneakers too. I don't think that was the exact quote, but basically paraphrasing, you know, Hey, Republicans buy sneakers too. And basically what he was saying is, you know, I don't want to say anything that alienates, um, an audience that might buy my gear. Now, I don't know if that's the best way to live in life, especially if there's issues that are really, really, um, close to you in in issues that you're very knowledgeable on and in issues that that you can you can forward. But it's what I go back and, and just said just a couple of minutes ago. You know, you need to make a decision as an athlete, as a league, as a team, you know, what issues do we want to get behind that won't alienate our audience and that are crucial to us. And if there are issues that you feel that are extraordinarily crucial and you have to speak out on them. Um, and that is your conviction, then that's what you have to do. And if you look at a guy like Colin Kaepernick, you know, that's what he did. He really felt that, um, police were discriminating against blacks here in the United States. And so he starts kneeling for the Anthem. Um, you know he he was bounced out of the NFL. some say due to performance. some say he was blackballed. I don't know the the inside story because I'm not in the NFL, so I can't say one way or the other. Um, but you know, he goes on to to crusade for um police reform and and better policing and all those things in the black community. Um, I think what's interesting in his particular, circumstances that at the time, he was still being funded and bankrolled with an endorsement deal by Nike. So again, it, it, he he really felt that that was important to him. So he spoke out about it in a way he went. I'm a little bit more, um, I would tend to back somebody a little bit more if they're actually putting things on the line where they can lose. I don't feel that Colin Kaepernick really lost in that situation because he'd already been benched. There was a chance he may not have gotten signed a, as a starter. He was going to have to be a backup. So he was going to get backup money. Um, he were getting closer and closer to him. You know, I think he's in his mid thirties now getting to the um, backside of his career. Um, he decided to go and now kind of be more of a, uh, a champion for social justice rights, but he's already still getting paid by Nike. I think guys who inspire me would be um, somebody like Pat Tillman, who goes out and, and, you know, after 9-11, really felt a call to serve the country in the military, stops playing professional football in the NFL, decides to join the military because that's where his heart was, that's where his conviction was, and he actually had something to lose. And unfortunately, Pat loses his life and in service to the country. Um, but it takes a deep conviction to do that. So, again, that's just my personal opinion there. You know, guys who do that who who really have something to lose, um, tend to, um, I'm a little bit more inspired by that than those who, you know, don't have necessarily a whole lot to lose. Um, so examples um with with sport and change, I think I just went through that, you know with with somebody like um Pat Tillman. I, there's also somebody else who I, I think is um, doesn't get the the recognition that he deserves, but is one of the more important athletes for our modern day free agency system. And that's Kurt Flood. And if you're not familiar with Kurt Flood's story, I highly, highly encourage you to go learn more about him. Kurt Flood was an outfield for the St. Louis, an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. He was a Gold Glover, and. He may not have been the first, but he was the most prominent athlete to speak out against MLB's reserve system, which basically when your contract was up, um, and this was before free agency in the 70s, but when your contract was up, uh, teams still held on to your rights. You couldn't just go and sign with another teams and teams could suppress the market on players. So they certainly weren't getting paid anywhere near what they're getting paid. Now and he was really the one who took the slings and arrows and fought back against that system. And um, unfortunately, he didn't get to see free agency come about. Um, but because of how he fought and um, the backing that he got from some of the other players, um, he he was a really important um, a really important p- person. Um uh, in in pro sports to see free agency come about. So if you don't know about Kurt flood, um, go um, go and in, in, uh, study and learn more about him. As we think politics within sport, as I wrap things up now, um, politicians, as we talked about, you know, they'll they'll use athletes for their platform. Um, you know, if you think about go back to the 2016 election, um, I think um, LeBron James stumped for Hillary Clinton. And then you had Dana White. Um, I know he was at a uh, Donald Trump rally. Bob Knight here in the state of Indiana was at a Don- Donald Trump rally. So um, you see politicians use athletes to help further their political ambitions. And then national sport boards, things like NCAA or, or uh, high school sport, sport uh, organizations, they also operate as political Organizations as well. And they have lobbyists who want to lobby on their behalf. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with NIL, especially in college sports, because you have the NCAA that has bylaws and has rules and regulations with NIL. But NIL uh, legislation, it's different state by state. There is no federal NIL law. And what we're seeing right now is that there are conflicts between state law and the NCAA bylaws. So um, for example, NCAA bylaws might say that, um, you know, I think they want to try to come up with some type of cap. And there might be a cap of like, okay, $50,000 on what you can make in NIL, where the state law says there is no cap. And so you're going to start to see this go to the court. And I think there's a push to make a federal NIL law. Um, but I don't know if there's a big appetite for that right now in Washington, D.C., because there's a lot of unintended consequences that could go along with that. So I think that's going to be the really the, the next really kind of interesting fight that's going to happen in college sports or just in sports in general. So um, keep an eye on that uh, with NIL law in states and with the NCAA bylaws. Generally, when these things go to court, Courts kind of defer to um, the organization's bylaws, but if it's coming into conflict with an actual state's laws, not with you know an athlete wanting to sue the NCAA, but NCAA suing individual states, I think it's going to open a huge can of worms, um, and I, I just don't know how hard the NCAA wants to fight with this. Um, I don't know how their their chances once this goes to trial what's going to happen it, they may end up just kind of um becoming a, a wild wild west and just having a very very kind of um skeleton type of framework for nil and these um, athletes continue to make more and more and more money as we go forward so i think that's what's going to be fascinating um as we look at nil in the future so that's going to do it for this segment of the show. Stay tuned as we go into our next segment, as I give you a little Uncle Brandon advice. But let me hit you with some knowledge. OK, I alluded to this a little bit earlier in the show. And I really kind of thought, what Uncle Brandon advice am I going to give this week? And there's things I've seen in the media. But being July 4th, or the week of July 4th, um, my Uncle Brandon advice is just basically everybody listening is travel. Get out of the country at least once. Um, Go experience another country, another culture, different people, different ways of doing things. And when you do that, you're going to appreciate just how special living in the United States really is. And certainly the USA has its warts and, and has its faults, but we we really live in just a phenomenal country. And I've had the, the good fortune uh, of traveling quite a bit in, into Europe, um, into Central America, um canada and in, in just about you know getting close to to all 50 states here in the united states and there really is nothing like the the freedoms that we have here in the this country the opportunities that we have here where you don't have a a government holding you back on Business opportunities or other things that you want to start, you know those values we talked about, those capitalistic values we talked about earlier in the show, um, really give you the opportunity to to do just about anything you want to do here in the United States. And it's not like that everywhere else. Even just um, the luxuries that we have here, where just about every building you go here in the United States has air conditioning and. Um, getting ice with your drink and um, all these just different things that are just small, um, aren't necessarily inherent in other countries. Um, The wide open spaces we have, the, the opportunity like where I where I'm broadcasting from in my home office, you know, we have a nice house. Now we're certainly um, not rich. I I would say we're kind of maybe uh, middle-class, um but you know we've got this great home where you know we've got three bedrooms and we've got plenty of room for our family and, and we got a, a not a big yard but but a nice yard and we don't have people stacked one on top of us um last time I was in London running the London marathon uh, last October my wife and I we we got a flat uh, we did an airbnb in, in a flat and it was so small um, and you're really on top of everybody else. Um, you don't have kind of the, the the bigger cars and and just the space and and just all these just little things, these little intricacies that we have here in the United States. So um, obviously there there's things that that people feel we could be doing better in the country, and I don't think you ever want to stop trying to make the country better. Um, but it's also a country where, you know, if, if you work hard and you get the right opportunity, you can be a a millionaire just by playing a sport and not just one sport, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, um, even women's sports are going professional. So, you know, when I saw one WNBA player say that the United States is trash. You know, I don't want to devalue or or demean her her experiences that she's had in life. I I, I didn't really read the article or or read too much what she said other than the headline. So I don't know what she's been through. And she could have gone through some really tough things. And I certainly don't want to demean that. Um, But this country is pretty unique where there's not many countries where if you're a woman, playing professional sports can be a a pathway for a career. just doesn't happen, and especially a league that's subsidized by a a men's professional league. Now, as I talked about with uh, the United States Women's National Team last week, it doesn't mean that you don't fight for you know, the the pay that you feel that you deserve or benefits you feel that you deserve. And um, it certainly doesn't mean that people shouldn't, you know, accost you or demean you. Um, I I would never support that in in a million years. It's just not who I am. Um, But, you know, to say that a country that's given us um, the freedom to do what it is that we want to do for career, for our life, without retribution, from, from government to call a country like that trash, I think um, just shows a, a an ignorance of other countries, other cultures, and other places where they don't have the freedoms that we have and they don't have the lifestyles that we have and the opportunities that we have. Even if you're... Um, Considered poor here in the United States, you know, are poor here in the United States, or just have so much more um, income, wealth, I guess, in as I put in kind of scare quotes, than those who are considered poor in in third world nations. So I think traveling and, and getting perspective gives you a greater appreciation for the United States. I know that it has for me, um, but it doesn't mean that we're perfect. And It doesn't mean that that we don't stop to make this country um, live up to the ideals that were drawn out from from the framers of of the uh, Constitution. But at the same time, um, I, I can just tell you from from traveling everywhere that I have that the opportunities, the lifestyle, the culture we have here—it's really it—it's second to none. And so um my Uncle Brandon advice to you travel, get a perspective, um, and experience different places. And I think you're gonna find just how great the United States is, and how much that you're gonna want to continue to um work to make sure that the ideals that we all hold dear as Americans um, continue to to go forward. So that's my Uncle Brandon advice for you. Get out there and go see the world. It's a great thing to do. Hey, I hope you guys have a great week. I can't wait to be with you next Friday. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at FOF underscore show. You can uh, listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and watch us on YouTube and Rumble. Just type in Facts Over Fandom. Should pop right up. Hey, as always, love God, love each other, be a good sport. I'll see you next week.